Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. Remember back in the 1960s when secret agents were suddenly in style and the first James Bond movie starring Sean Connery first hit the big screen? Bond. James Bond. Well, friends, I have to confess, I was one of those secret agent groupies. It all started with reading the original James Bond novels by Ian Fleming. Being as they were rather short, but extremely action-packed, these Bond novels were rather easy to zip through and then move on to the next one and the next one after that. And of course, after all that, I just had to go out to the movie theater and catch the movie versions. Those early films were the best of Bond, in my opinion. Dr. No, from Russia with Love, and of course the gold icing on the cake, Goldfinger. Goldfinger. And then once Hollywood discovered the spy craze, they started cranking out secret agent shows for prime time, starting with The Man from Uncle, in glorious black and white. <laughs> of course, at that time, since the whole television industry was then gearing up for a massive changeover in technology, it was only a year later that Uncle and other primetime spy shows began telecasting in living color. And that made it even more exciting. The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Now you may be wondering, how much of a spy nut was yours truly? Well, being a creative sort, I not only found ways to make my own miniature communications devices, like the famous Uncle Radio, hidden in a flip-top cigarette pack. Open Channel D. Open Channel D. I also started a comic strip series modeled on the show. I called my version The Men From Love. L-O-V-E. This soon became a hit with my middle school classmates, so I was blackmailed into producing dozens of cliffhanger episodes of my comic strip week after week and passing around the original drawings in class. Well, anyway... The spy craze continued for a few years on TV, eventually falling by the wayside for a whole new crop of shows like comedies, fantasies, and other lighter fare. Ironically, my new favorite show became Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, which oddly enough took over the same time slot of The Man from Uncle on Monday nights. Ah, fame can be so fleeting. One day you're on top of the world, the next day you're at the bottom of the ratings. Aww. But that's a story for another day. And now, back to our main program, The Secret Agent Escapades. <laughs> Thank you, Don Pardo. So, here's how the story continues. We had graduated to high school, and while me and my friends were still in the grip of our spy obsession, we did a few crazy things ourselves, such as lusting after cool cars that could have been perfect James Bond vehicles, like the Dodge Charger or the Oldsmobile Toronado. Remember them? Then there was the night that a bunch of us went out cruising. Most of my closest friends crammed into one car, a beat-up old Pontiac Bonneville that my uncle had given me when I got my license to drive. It was a real classic, I tell you. It was already in pretty bad shape from all the years that my uncle used it to drive back and forth to work. In fact, on the inside, the fabric roof was already in tatters with shreds of cloth hanging down over the back seat. My old man, being the home handyman and fix-up artist that he was, solved that problem quickly enough by replacing the fabric with a handcrafted, wood-paneled ceiling. Seriously, 
I was the only kid in my class who had a car with a custom wood parquet interior. But I digress. When we went out cruising that night, most of our wild bunch rode in my car. The Black Beauty, as I called it. But there's one other guy who's on the outskirts of our inner circle. I'll call him Biff. He so desperately wanted to be part of our crowd, but somehow never achieved that status. Well, anyway, Biff was driving his own car while the rest of us were in mine. And as he began following us in hot pursuit, we decided to engage in a secret agent-style car chase, careening in and out of side streets in an attempt to lose him. But he managed to stay right behind us no matter how fast or how furious we were driving. At one point, I rounded the corner by our old junior high school, not realizing that some construction work had been going on, which meant that the streets had been torn up, leaving big, gaping potholes where there once had been smooth asphalt. And before I knew it, my Pontiac Bonneville bottomed out in one of those craters. The huge metallic crunch that I heard was a sure sign of some significant damage to the already beat up car body. But we kept going. And Biff hung in there too, still tailing us like a good secret agent. Eventually, when we all got tired of the game, we stopped in some deserted industrial neighborhood and got out of our respective cars to check in with each other. At that point, one of my guys decided to play a prank on Biff, telling him that we'd traveled so fast and so far that we had actually wound up driving over to Staten Island. My friend Joey told him, Yeah, Biff, just look at the streetlights. And sure enough, Biff looked up, believing every word. Yeah, you're right. They do look different, he said. <laughs> and thus a legend was born. The tale of Biff's incredible gullibility was a story we told over and over again. Well, that wasn't the last time that we played Secret Agent. Remember how Sean Connery always looked so dapper and dashing in his plain black tuxedo and bow tie? Well, the first time I ever had a chance to step into 007's shiny black shoes, it was the time of senior prom. Back in those days, the required uniform for guys going to prom was a standard tuxedo. For many of us who were on a budget, we had a choice of only black or off-white cream color. No frills, no frou-frou colors, just the basics. But when we got all dressed up in that tuxedo, man, that was the bee's knees. The ultimate in high fashion for espionage, I tell you. To make a long story short, prom went off totally as expected. No surprises there. We managed to make it through the evening without getting any gravy spots on our tuxes. We sat through the usual funny speeches, the election results of prom king and queen, the predictions of who would be the student most likely to wind up in prison at Rikers Island. You know, the usual stuff. And then, of course, there was the dancing. Or what you might call the wild gyrations and awkward, spasmodic, incredibly self-conscious body movements that adolescents are famous for. All set to the popular music of the day. And we even made it through the slow dance numbers, too. After that, as the party began breaking up, we all headed to our cars and took off for various destinations. The guys and gals sitting at our table all made arrangements to meet at Rawway River Park, our own local version of Lookout Point. But here's where it gets interesting. I had no idea that one of the guys actually had a fully stocked bar hidden in the trunk of his car. Now you have to understand, 
Back then, the drinking age for New Jersey was still 21. Some of the other kids at the prom headed out to continue partying on Staten Island, where the New York drinking age was 18. But our group stuck around the local neighborhood, which wasn't such a smart idea as it turned out. You see, within moments of pulling into the parking lot at Rawley River, the guy with all the booze in his trunk began doling out the drinks, and then, much to our surprise, we were then greeted by the local police pulling in right behind us, red flashers, siren and all, which immediately put the fear of God into us. Oh, no! None of us had noticed the sign in the parking lot that said, no parking after dark. I began thinking of the worst case scenario in which my parents had to come and bail me out of jail. But luckily, the police just let us off with a warning. And that's how my one night in full James Bond formal wear ended. Not with a big bang and fiery dramatic explosions as the bad guys scrambled to escape from Her Majesty's Secret Service. No, it was more like a sad, pathetic, embarrassing whimper when I realized that I really didn't have the makings of what it took to be 007. I think my secret code name would have been something more like 002 and a half. <laughs> oh, well, as they say, you only live twice. Huh? And as my own life flashed two or three times before my eyes that fateful prom night, I knew that my future wouldn't be spent lurking in the dark shadows of espionage, but rather in the bright sunlight of a more public profession, like broadcasting and communications. <laughs> You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.